my dad just really helped me understand that if I did a little bit for free on the front end, that it would probably help me out on the back end. And this would be the best way for me to expand my portfolio beyond fashion. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. One of the best ways to save time in your business is to get a scheduling tool. Meet Acuity, the scheduling assistant that works 24-7 behind the scenes to fill your calendar so you can focus on all the other important aspects of your business. With Acuity, clients can quickly view your real-time availability and self-book their own appointments, reschedule if they need to, and even pay online. Collect everything you need to know about your clients as soon as they book by asking them to fill out a customizable intake forms when they're scheduling. And you can even use Acuity to get appointments through your Facebook business page or Instagram's booking button. From the moment clients book with you, Acuity automatically sends booking confirmations with your brand and messaging. It delivers text reminders. And of course, you get notified anytime a new appointment is booked. You can have it automatically update the calendars you already use, like Google, Outlook, iCloud, or Office 365, and you can check your schedule right from your phone. All you need to do is show up at the right time. So save yourself from the day-to-day drudgery of having to keep up with your clients, plus your busy schedule, by using Acuity Scheduling. And for a limited time only, you can get 45 days of Acuity Scheduling absolutely free, no credit card required, by going to acuityscheduling.com slash hustle pro. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here. And in today's episode, we are going to dive in with Deanna M. Dorsey, a gifted designer and brand development strategist and the creator of one of the most classic and sleek apparel lines I have ever seen. Deanna is a creative director born in Springfield, Virginia. After graduating from Villanova University in 2002, she moved to Italy to study fashion design. In a challenging decision to move stateside, she ended up relocating to New York City and designed outerwear for Oscar de la Renta and men's apparel for several other licenses. A later move to Washington, D.C. in 2009 gave life to Deanna Dorsey Design, a design boutique that specializes in being creative, from graphic design to art direction, brand strategy, and website development. Tiana is the woman behind District of Clothing, a signature apparel line developed with the conventional and avant-garde dreamers and doers in mind. Local favorites include the DC Dreamer Doer and the District Tees, and BuzzFeed even noted District of Clothing as a top way to show your love for DC. In Tiana's own words, she wanted to create something with a positive message to battle all of the negativity our communities see, hear, and experience daily. She hopes her apparel reminds folks that if you dream it, you can do it. Tiana has been featured in Marie Claire and was named a Washingtonian style setter in 2013. I can't wait for us to get into this episode, so let's get right to it. I want to get a little bit more insight into the life of Diana, the designer. Tell us a little bit more about when you were bitten by the entrepreneurship bug. I would say I was initially bit by the bug when I was maybe six or seven years old. That was the first, you know, air quotes job I ever had. I was working for my dad and he would have me running papers or stapling papers or he would (laughs) have me, you know, filing papers. I had to do things in alphabetical order, whatever I was able to do based on that age group. And I can remember saying, can I use the restroom or can I eat lunch now? And he would say, you know, this is your own business. You can do these things whenever you want to do them. And I probably didn't fully understand it then. But once I got slightly older and got my first real time job, I realized that this was what this was the direction that I was called into. And then I would say um, in my adult life, I was a fashion designer in New York City, and I had been there for almost six years. I made it through about 16, 17 rounds of layoffs um, when the economy sort of collapsed back in 2008, 2009. And 
I didn't really have a choice but to leave New York to move back home to Washington, D.C. No one would hire me. And so I had to hire myself. Wow. In January of 2010, I started my first business, um, which is actually my second business. But what I will call for this for these matters, my first business, Deanna Dorsey Design. Now, let's go back to your earlier days in in New York that you mentioned. So I understand that after graduating from college, you spent some time in Italy to further study design. At this point, what was your ultimate goal to be a fashion designer? At this point, my ultimate goal was to be a fashion designer. And I wanted to work with Alexander McQueen. I wanted to work with Givenchy. I wanted to work with King George. You name it. I wanted to work... um, Balenciaga. I thought about Fendi. I, you know, I just Dior Homme. I wanted to work um, in European design badly. And I had, I graduated from Villanova University in 2002, realizing that law school was not going to happen for me. Um, I took the LSAT and got like a, a negative 250 on it. Oh. <laughs> It was great, though, because it was, you know, it was a failure that sort of helped me pivot and and push me in the right direction to get me to where I was supposed to go. And um, I moved overseas and honestly never had any intention of coming back to the United States. Really? So what ultimately led you back stateside? My younger sister got ill and it took... Thankfully, my cousin happened to be with me during this trip. She was with me for maybe like a week, just, you know, exploring, exploring Italy together. And um, it took us almost a full 24 hours to get back to her. And and she's fine now. But at that time, I just said this, I, I need to be closer to my family. This is too far away. So once you returned, did you immediately make the move? Because you're from the DMV area, right? So did you immediately move to New York or did it take you some time? So I moved back to the United States. I went directly to Philadelphia because in my mind, I wasn't coming. I wasn't going to allow myself to go home. Okay. Philadelphia is home-like for me. I have lots of aunts there and I went to a university there. Um, But my goal was that I had to be out of the house in two weeks I didn't have a bedroom there, so I was sleeping on the couch. So I, I sort of gave myself this like mental um, deadline. You know, I have to be off my aunt's couch in two weeks. I have to have something in two weeks. And so I was just, I mean, insanely, you know, looking online and calling folks and on Craigslist trying to find something to get me to New York City. And I did. I think I had one day left and I finally got an, an internship. And then I moved to New York City. What? On an internship salary? No. <laughs> there wasn't even a salary, girl. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I love that that hustle and belief in yourself. You knew that you weren't turning back after that. Yes. I knew that I wasn't turning back. And I also knew that I didn't want to have any sort of excuse. Mm-hmm. And I believe that I had to make things happen like almost immediately versus waiting. Now, once you were in New York, so you were working for major brands, the Oscar de la Renta, um, you were focusing and designing men's apparel for other licenses. What happened once the economy started to crash and layoffs started to happen? Talk us through that transition back to DC. Yeah, I mean, listen... (laughs) just makes me laugh thinking about it. Um, It was a really, really, really tough time. I'm very thankful for it now because I think it gave me a little more grit. Um, You know, they say like New York kind of helps to raise you. This this time in particular really sort of helped to raise me. Um, One day I was in the office and I just started seeing people leaving. You know, they would have a meeting and then the next thing you know, they were being escorted out by security. Things happened very quickly, very dramatically. I made it through 17 rounds of layoffs and I was eventually laid off myself. Um, My package was probably decent enough for a 28-year-old, but not anything that I could live on beyond three months, I would say, um, especially in New York City. And so... Thankfully, at that time, several of my friends were graduating from um, graduate school and they were either 
opening businesses or starting organizations and they just needed a lot of branding help and, and marketing assistance. And so that's sort of where I turned my attention for about six months while I was still kind of freelancing and hopping around trying to find work. And then one day the good Lord just spoke to me and was like, go home, girl, you know, <laughs> just go home. And, um, I did, I, I moved back home in November, 2009. And did you move home home, like back with the parents or <laughs> just back to the, the city? You know, like home home, like back in the bedroom that I was in as a young girl. Yes, yes. been there. And around yeah. 2009 myself as well. So, <laughs> and, you know, I don't think I, I, I want to just, you know, I was very blessed to have parents to come home to. Amen. And I'm, I'm so grateful and thankful for that time because they were, you know, they really sort of helped me just kind of change my mindset and also figure out what my options were. And I, I definitely think that that year at home in that bedroom, you know, dinners and breakfasts with my dad just sort of helped form the, the, my life for the next 10 years. As you were planning out your next steps, you know, the next phase in your journey, designing and working with friends. When did you start to formalize that as Deanna Dorsey Design? So when I first got back to DC, I was applying for jobs, for branding jobs here. And and we have to remember that the DC now that, that we live and exist in now is not the DC from 10 years ago. This was not a very creatively welcoming town at that time. And so I was maybe offered one or two options for work, but you know, I, I wouldn't even have been able to pay rent, like a DC rent on those salaries that were offered. And people mostly were saying that I needed to expand my portfolio beyond fashion. And um, I thought the best way I could do this would probably be to work with some sort of organization here in Washington, D.C. that did something that I could participate in that would help me expand my portfolio. Um, and that's what I did. I went on Craigslist. I found an organization called Dreaming Out Loud that's headed by their executive director is Christopher Bradshaw. He's very much like a brother to me now. But I called him up and said, hey, I'm a really good designer and branding person and marketer. And I see you need some help. So can I come work with and for you for free. And he was like, hell yeah, come on in, girl. <laughs> for free. I wasn't expecting that part. I, you know, again, having these breakfast and dinner time conversations with my dad just really helped me understand that if I did a little bit for free front end, that it would probably help me out on the back end. And this would be the best way for me to expand my portfolio beyond fashion. Chris at the time was working out of the Affinity Lab, which is, was, Washington, D.C.'s first co-working, co-sharing space. This is way before we work and everything else that, that's come um, to town since. And people started to see the success that we were developing and creating together. And then the next thing I knew, I went from having one client's last project that was pro bono to two to three other folks on my, um, on my calendar that were paying me to do work for them. And that's what essentially started Deanna Dorsey Design. Ah, so what were your first steps? When were you able to actually leave your parents' home and take this on full-time? I took it on full-time initially, although I wasn't being paid. I probably started getting checks in within three months. Okay. And um, again, I was very, very blessed to be able to stay home for an additional nine months. And I just stacked as much money as I could, um, which at times was more than others. But um it was enough for me to have money to make a, a, what is it like those deposits you have to make? Like you have to pay, pay one month's rent and one month deposit. Right. More than enough money to do that, to pay for movers and to move into my first apartment, um, which was in Arlington and in, in, uh, Virginia. Okay. And what was the business model you're thinking of once you moved out? I'm always impressed by people who are, are designers and are able to make a living um, designing, selling their wares, because I, I have my little e-commerce store and it's so hard. <laughs> so tell me more about how, how you broke down the business model and saw yourself earning revenue. 
So at this time, I'm solely focused on Deanna Dorsey Design, and I'm mm-hmm. offering my design, branding, and marketing, and like creative strategy services to clients. And um, I just was very focused on making sure that my time was valued, that the work that I was, you know, sub- submitting and helping up with these other clients, that it was valued. Um, and I was at the time charging clients hourly. Um, so I literally had no overhead other than Wi-Fi, okay. essentially. Um, and that was always covered. And then if I had to go to a client's meeting or go to their office for a meeting, excuse me, um, then I would, you know, charge separately for that. And then the same with um, perhaps maybe doing a presentation for a client that was charged separately too. But at at this time, I'm literally just thinking, I just have to make enough money to pay my bills, to pay my taxes, and to dress and eat the way that I like to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking. Um, And then it wasn't until I started working with a gentleman, Mike Bruce, who was my first prime client. Um, I remember submitting an invoice to him and he emailed me back and said, call me when you can. And so I called him and I was nervous and I thought that he was going to tell me that my invoice was way too expensive and that it was overly priced. And I sat there and listened to him just speak life and value and importance and significance into me for 45 minutes. And when we hung up, he said, "Now, now hang up the phone rewrite that invoice, mark it up 500% and send it back to me. Wow. 500%. So at the time when you set your prices, what did you base it on? I based it on what I thought I was providing. Hourly. What Hourly, like what that meant to a client. And I was just so far gone from the truth. Um, so I am just incredibly thankful. You know, I, I sort of had mentors before I realized that I had mentors. Mm-hmm. I'm just incredibly thankful for um, folks, you know, constantly taking me under their wing and speaking life to me and kind of showing me the way to go, um, especially men who would not accept anything less than what they thought I should be providing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a yeah. lot of sense. And that is, you know, an incredible, incredible story. And at that point, you say you were just trying to, you were thinking about, I just need to make enough to pay my bills and do X, Y, Z. So you are living contract to contract. And did you do anything to ensure that you would never have a gap in between contracts? Absolutely not. So <laughs> <laughs> this was very much a like learn as you go experience for me. Mm-hmm. And it continues to be even now. But again, I take a step really mess up, fail horribly, learn from it, pivot and move forward again. Um, It's kind of been my direction over the last couple of years. I mean, I didn't go to business school. I don't think you have to go to business school, but I did not go to business school. I read as many books as I could or like, you know, um, would have conversations with folks. I was constantly on Google, just remembering things from when I was working as a designer in New York City. Um, But also, I was just very happy that folks were choosing me Mm -hmm. to work with them. And I think I was really sort of shortchanging myself because I was just happy to be selected. Ah. I produced amazing work at this time. I was sort of a unicorn here in Washington, D.C. And I deserved to have those contracts or I deserved to be working with those organizations or I deserved to be on Capitol Hill. I didn't always feel that way because I was... 29, 30, 31 years old doing some of the things that I was, I, I wouldn't often allow myself to, time, to try to think about some of the things I was doing because if I would, it would probably freak me out so much that I would not get out of bed. I surprisingly understand that feeling. Um, there are times when you get a call and you're excited by the call, but you're also terrified <laughs> to take it. Like you have butterflies all day, even though it's an amazing opportunity. Amazing opportunity. I am very much a designer and very much a creative in the sense that, you know, I'm shy until I'm not. I don't really like to broadcast what I'm doing. I like for my work to speak for itself. I really enjoy working alone. And while those are all 
very much symbolic of, you know, your typical, I don't want to stereotype us, but your typical creative person. It can also really push the imposter syndrome like over the edge. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's oftentimes worse when I have to sit, hit submit or like send an email with my work. You know, I mean, the stand with this is a great example of it. When Planned Parenthood called and asked if I could help with creating some sort of um, campaign that would help them illustrate the work that they were doing with black women in the black community. I was over the moon, so excited, absolutely terrified. The first thing that came to my mind was stand with black women. Mm. And it, I pushed it out of my head. I, I wrote it down, but I pushed it out of my head. And I was going through all these other options and I was just making sure, you know, crossing my eyes, dotting my teeth or crossing my teeth, dotting my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I kept looking over the sheets, you know, of the designs. And I said, you know what, let me just add the stand with black women. I said, it, it seems so, it just seemed like it would be the absolute first thing that they would have thought of and there wasn't a need to even call me, but th it wasn't. And thank God I felt confident in that moment to add it, even though I was terrified to, but to add it back, right? submit it. And that's, you know, they didn't even take a look at anything else. Wow. And that, that campaign has changed my life. When, when you say change your life, elaborate a little bit. What do you mean by that? Did that bring in a new slate of clients that you weren't even expecting? It's definitely brought in a new um, slate of clients, but I, I think more emotionally and spiritually and personally, I get emotional when I think about it. But I, you know, when I'm on Instagram or if I'm even just walking down the street and I happen to see a young woman, a young black woman wearing that shirt with pride and with happiness, I mean, it, it has boosted my confidence just in me. And to see that it has encouraged Black women to feel as empowered as they already do, but to, to show it proudly, it's, I just, I don't have words for it. I'm just incredibly grateful and um, so very thankful. Indeed. And, you know, one of the things about you too is I, I actually didn't know at first that that was you know, you were the the mastermind behind that. So only through researching, I just feel that you're very humble and maybe sometimes too much, right? Because it's like you are doing these dope, dope things. And, um, you, you know, you don't feel the need to toot your own horn or anything like that. Do you find that that ever limits you in any way? Or it's just, you know, a natural part of you that you don't feel an urge to change I'm fighting with this. Um, <laughs> thank you for asking me this question. I, again, I'm shy until I'm not. I'm very mm -hmm. much an introvert. Um, I'm trying my best to be a bit more bold um, in sharing my work and what I'm doing. Oftentimes, like if you happen to see a post from me, it's because someone from my tribe, from my team has, you know, gotten in my ear and they're like, if you don't share this, that, you know, <laughs> I'm going to share it. Um, I'm definitely doing better with, you know, trying to let people know. And I remember that I don't, I just don't like a lot of attention on me. Pay attention to what I'm wearing. You know, I love what people like what I'm wearing and pay attention to the work that I've done. Um, but I just don't like a lot of attention on, on me. And then I, I think I, I think I try to flip it in my mind and just remember like, okay, if I'm sharing this, it's not about me. Perhaps I'm sharing it in a way that could encourage or inspire someone else. And that's what kind of gives me the, the self-esteem and the like last push to actually hit post or send or share or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's really easy for me to kind of like show on an Instagram story. Like I love seeing all the people that are wearing it. And then I love more than anything, the responses that I get from folks, you know, I have one of my best friends just bought it for his mom who just turned 70. You know, she's wow. kind of like a mom for me. And this is a white woman who lives in a suburban town in, in Pittsburgh. And she wears it proudly to Panera. That's kind of like their, <laughs> their hangout. <laughs> 
Um, but she's right smack in the middle of Trump country. And, you know, she will text me. She sends me these little DMs. They're so cute. Um, you know, and she's like, you know, I love my Stand With Black Women t-shirt. And it makes me think of you and your sister. And, you know, she's just like just seeing how so many people from so many different parts of life have connected with it. It, I am forever changed and just so very grateful that I was um, asked to participate in such an amazing campaign. And look at the impact. Look at the impact. That is incredible. Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. The online learning community is offering our listeners two months of free premium membership. Explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity with classes from Skillshare. Right now, Skillshare is such a great resource to have so you can stay inspired, express yourself, and connect to a community of creatives with fascinating classes on topics like how to start a business online, e-commerce essentials, email marketing, and so much more. You can also take non-business classes like drawing or writing, and that can be a great way to help manage stress, practice mindfulness, and feel connected to one another. I recently took a Skillshare class called Context is Key, Social Media Strategy in a Noisy Online World, and I just found it so valuable as a refresher on creating a channel-specific social media strategy for my brand. So as you can see, Skillshare offers classes designed for real life and all of the circumstances that come with it. Creative self-discovery and expression can settle your mind. I know it does for me. And spontaneous acts of creativity can help break up the routine of a day indoors. So Skillshare short classes are a perfect fit for that. And you'll create real projects and get the support of fellow creatives who provide encouragement, communication, and inspiration. So explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle Pro, where you'll get two free months of premium membership. That's two free months of premium membership at skillshare.com slash side hustle pro. So would you describe the work that you have done initially when you got back to DC and, and even continued through now it's, it's brand development, identity work and helping brands to really have a cohesive look and feel. Mm -hmm. You're working with more social policy based organizations. Did you ever have that craving to get back to fashion, that urge? Yes, I was really, this is so funny. So I was really, really craving fashion and I didn't know how or why. Um, but this was in 2013, 2014. I was just craving like being back in the fashion world, but I didn't necessarily know how, um, when I was in New York, I had a wonderful experience, but I also had a really challenging experience. I oftentimes, you know, refer to it as like an abusive professional relationship. It was just, it was really tough. You know, like we were beaten up quite a bit, um, air quotes, beaten up quite a bit professionally um, as designers. And I didn't quite know how I was how I was missing fashion or why I was missing fashion. But I do recall, I think it was 2013. It might've been 2013 and 2014. I was there for maybe two, three months. Um, but I got a retail job at um, All Saints in Georgetown. And I quickly realized like, okay, I'm not missing the retail portion of that. <laughs> I, did, I did get to meet Obama, the Obama girl. So I did get to meet um, Sasha and Malia. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. It was wonderful meeting them. But very soon after I was like, okay, okay, okay. This isn't what I missed. Um, and it wasn't till not long after that time when my prime client went on a spending freeze and I realized okay, I need to do some sort of passive income. I was constantly listening to podcasts at that time and all the rave was passive income. And it sort of came to me that I needed to do something that I could do quickly and sort of set up on my own that wouldn't cost a lot of money. Um, Cause at that time I didn't have any, my prime client was gone to set up passive income. And then that is sort of what brought District of Clothing to life in 2015. Mm -hmm. 
So tell us about District of Clothing. So it's an apparel line. How did you go about starting it and, you know, thinking through your first designs? My first design, my little side hustle baby, that's what I call her. I love her so much. (laughs) Um, My first design was the Dreamer Doer. And the Dreamer Doer design is very much a linchpin to District of Clothing. I just, I sort of had a dream. It actually came to me in a dream and I saw um, Dreamer and I saw Doer and I saw Dreamer scratched out. It wasn't exactly like how it looks now, um, but it was sort of like an animation, I guess, like the the idea of someone writing dreamer, someone writing doer, and then someone crossing out dreamer. And I happened to be having drinks with a friend one day at a bar. And I just kind of scribbled out in my head, like what I was seeing. And, um, I kind of passed it to her, didn't say anything. And she's such a good friend. She was like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. What is this? You have to do something with this. Tell me what this is about. (laughs) I kind of took it back. Cause again, I'm shy. Even with my friends, I kind of took it back folded it up and put it in my pocket. And I just kind of sat on it for a little bit, but I had this dream and say January ish 2014. Um, and it wasn't until November that I started really moving on it. It just kept popping up in my head. Like I couldn't, I couldn't escape it is the best way to explain it. And next thing I knew I was, um, you know, reaching out to different Mm-hmm. screen printers here in Washington to see who could help me bring this to life. I found someone in Virginia who was quite helpful and we put it down. Initially we were using vinyl prints, which was super cool at the time for like the black on black tees. And I was also in, I was, I was like in a co-working space in uh, Georgetown with several other women, women owned businesses And I kind of showed them a couple of the t-shirts and they were like, this is amazing. I would wear this. And again, remember this is 2014. So Instagram is like starting, but it isn't huge. But a couple of my friends had really big followers and a couple of, one of them had like thousands of followers on YouTube and I gave them t-shirts and they would wear them to the office or they would wear them while they were like on coffee runs or they would wear them, you know, just kind of a part of their day. Next thing you know, they started posting them. And that's kind of what got District of Clothing started, I guess, socially. And then officially, we were selected to participate in the um, Google political Tory Birch Women Rule event. And they had us in the marketplace. And that was our like our first coming out to the world, I guess, was in December 2014. Oh, wow. So that was just like a kind of a marketplace. Was it a one day thing or? It was a one day thing. Might've been six hours long. Um, We were in the Mandarin Oriental in the basement. So during the majority of the conference, folks were speaking and, you know, engaging with one another and different panels. And then they would have breaks and they would come outside and shop at these women owned businesses. It was maybe eight or 10 of them. Um, And mine was one of them and we sold out that day. I think, I think I maybe had like four items left by the end of the day. When you say we, Deanna, (laughs) I'm like, was this a team of you and volunteers, but, or was this still like a a one woman show? I, I don't know why, but I still say we, it is primarily me, especially at that time. There are times when I have help, um, but it is, it is primarily we, I think I'm just very forward thinking and I'm probably thinking of different parts of my brain. And by all means, I do have help. Um, you know, my family is incredibly supportive. My sisters were, were my models initially, you know, friends, my fiance now, but it is primarily me. I just have always said we. <laughs> I really think it's like a very, it's a strategy. If you think And at this time, you mentioned you started it as a passive income stream, but how passive is it really? I'm curious about the behind the scenes of um, if you're screen printing, that means you're holding on to inventory. So how did you manage that process? Yeah. So initially it was not very passive. Um, I didn't have to put out too much money initially because, you know, I knew how to build a website. I knew how to do e-com. I knew how to do um, to design a shirt, I could, you know, communicate via email with the screen printers. Um, but of course I was picking up 
product. I was initially packaging product and, and selling product, excuse me, and shipping product. And after about six months of not being able to see my my you know kitchen floor or my dining room table, <laughs> I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. And that's when I started to find, you know, I found a fulfillment center who's helped me out tremendously. So we have a fulfillment center on the East Coast for East Coast orders and then another one on the West Coast for West Coast orders. I am working toward creating more time, you know, every month or so every quarter I try to pivot a bit more and give district more of my time because I think we're probably heading in the direction where I could be full-time with district clothing but I still really enjoy the work that I do for my clients through the design company as well but yeah interesting yeah I think you know I think that's one of the things people tend to think like oh if you create passive income or a side hustle that you don't have to put much time and effort into it. No, you really do. I mean, you have to be absolutely consistent with it. And I could be a perfect example is I could be super consistent with social media, which is really hard for me. And I could have engagement where I'm, I think we're at like 10,500 followers right now. I could actually have engagement. That's maybe like 3,500 followers or, you know, different metrics, but it's like maybe 30, 30%, 33%. And then I'll kind of ride that way for a little bit. And then I may not post for several days. And then the next thing you know, my engagement's down to like 212. You know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you have to be consistent with it. And it's it's finding those pockets of time to make it work and to work, you know, to make it connect best with your your customers and your audiences. Yes, believe me, I know that it's not passive because as I've said several times, I'm still trying to plan out the best strategy for my own apparel um, line, my my own side hustle shop. And I think part of the, the tricky part is the fact that screen printing is so much better than just some of these online online um, fulfillment centers. So how do you make sure that your quality um, remains the same as you outsource to a fulfillment center? Like what, what does that entail? I would say within this year, we will probably drop the fulfillment centers and just use them as warehouses. Okay. Um, My, so my wholesale clients um, or customers, which would be like the national museum of women in the arts or say um, various other organizations throughout DC um, or the shop made in DCs, they receive items from my, what I call local production, and they are not the online fulfillment centers. And it's tough, you know, if, if a customer sends me an email and says, this did not come out to what I was expecting, you know, we qu- will very quickly do a refund or reship another one. I would say that's probably one of the, it's not very common, but it might happen maybe once a month where a customer isn't happy. And it's tough when you're depending on other folks to do things for you, but it's also part of how you grow and scale. And the quality control is of the utmost importance to me because I want to make sure that all of my customers and our community is very happy and that we're producing and shipping goods that reflect, you know, everyone's hard work and that, and their belief in our business. But it is, it is something that I am still daily working through and it's expensive, you know, as well. I, I, I want to be very direct and honest in saying that using fulfillment centers can be expensive. It's helpful. Um, and then also having local production is expensive, but also very helpful. So you just have to figure out what's best for you and your business and your customers. So when you say um, a fulfillment center, so I'm thinking of like the online, um, you know, places where you just put up a design on Shopify and then they have um, drop shippers who actually print it and mail it out to customers. So what's the difference between that and the fulfillment center you're referring to? There's no difference. Okay. I've developed the designs and then I have a fulfillment center on the East Coast and on the West Coast that they will print them, they will package them and they ship them for me. Um, The, what I, what I call my local production, I will order items in bulk and they will print them, but they're, you know, I've been working with them for years now and they're very, they understand my quality control metrics and they understand exactly what I'm looking for. And we have, you know, 
certain standards that have to be met per item. It's not to say that the online fulfillment does not have those standards, but if you're working with the company who's probably working with 2,500 other businesses, you know, lots of things kind of go through the cracks. Right. There's less, you have less control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so moving forward, when you say you're probably going to use them as storage centers, so how does that work as far as uh, shipping out product to customers? So instead of fulfilling, like actually printing the item as well, they will just, I will have items printed only from my local production and then Uh, shipped to both of these fulfillment centers. And so when someone makes a purchase online, they'll just get a notification to, hey, grab this shirt, grab this sweatshirt, grab this magnet, grab this sticker, grab this bag, and they'll ship it. But it'll already be printed. I like that. Almost like a mini Amazon. Uh, right, 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 right. <laughs> Soon to be a huge Amazon. I see it. I see it. <laughs> so, okay. You you started District of Clothing um, doing kind of a lull. Now, how did you go back to managing your client load in addition to running District of Clothing? Whew, nothing but Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. You know, there's, there's days when I'm successful. There's days when I am incredibly not. Um, I just, um, I'm also a creative person, so we feel our highs and lows differently. And I would say that one of the hardest parts of entrepreneurship for me has not been the work, but has been dealing with the people who are requesting the work oftentimes. Um, You know, humans are just challenging and that can affect also the the output from a design perspective. You know, I have some non-negotiables, so I have to have a lot of sleep I have to um, do my devotional in the morning. I really enjoy um, and need like clean white space so that I can think and I'm not overwhelmed with viewing things, I guess, that would affect like what's happening creatively in my head. I am the queen of no. So my friends know me very well and know that, you know, more often than not, I'm going to say no, because I can't do these things because I have to be present so that I can do other things to make sure that these businesses will continue to thrive. And I try to keep in mind that Deanna Dorsey Design, I'm more client facing there. So I try to give that the majority of my time. And then district of clothing is something I can do like in the wee hours of the morning or at night, or, you know, those are things that I can manage like on my phone, um, but I have to make sure that I'm 110% um, on and present for my clients through the design business. I think something else that um, I, I like to share with other entrepreneurs, and especially women, is that I oftentimes hear people say, you know, they're trying to find this balance and they want to have a balanced life. And like, I think that that is absolute trash, I believe. <laughs> trash. It is. I believe in having an imbalanced life, a healthy, imbalanced life. So when I'm at home with my family, I am at home with my family. And when I'm at work, I am at work. Um, That's not to say that I can do those things 50-50 because I I just simply can't. But I try to give the majority of what I'm, you know, the majority of, of my time based on like what is most prominent and what is most important at that time. If I'm with my family, my family is most important. Nothing comes, you know, close to that. In the mornings when I'm doing my devotionals, like I need to have complete focus on my devotionals because nothing more is important to that. But if I were to just be trying to like balance everything out 50-50, I feel like I would just be failing miserably at everything. Um, and I would also probably add that, you know, it's imp- I always have a to-do list, right? But it's really important that I put myself not just on the list, but at the very top of the list so that my cup is always full so that I'm able to pour into these other things, you know, effectively and efficiently when when they're demanding that attention. So a lot of people, as you know, lose money in this life of entrepreneurship, um, you have your, what I'm going to call your main hustle, Tiana Dorsey, <laughs> and you have this side hustle, which is really, I think, a second main hustle. I just, I don't know how you're doing this. At this stage, are they both profitable and are you able to uh, scale them? 
So scaling is probably my biggest challenge right now. Um, learning and figuring out what, how I need to pivot so that I can scale. The goal will be to scale District of Clothing more so than Deanna Dorsey Design. Um, I think if I were to scale Deanna Dorsey Design, it would be that I'm only working on maybe one to two, at most three projects a year so that I can give District of Clothing more of my time. They both are, I'm very blessed. They both are incredibly profitable businesses. Thank, so thankful for that. But my, both of my businesses are also service providing businesses. So I don't have much overhead. And I would say like, as if you're looking at the calendar, they kind of vary with which is more profitable than the other. At the beginning of the year in January and February, both businesses are incredibly slow, but that's okay because October through not the full fourth quarter, but definitely October through December 31 for District of Clothing is astronomical. I would probably say we we maybe make 50 to 51% of our income during that time. And then the fourth quarter for Deanna Dorsey Design is its best quarter as well. Over the summertime, they're kind of like neck and neck. And then um, August is a little slow for both. And then we're sort of ramping up for the end of the year. And then we're just kind of riding the wave again. You know, the, the little low downturn in January and February as we come back around into the next year. Mm, it, it's so good that you know the cycles like that. Like you really know what to expect and you can plan your finances accordingly. So do you change how much you pay yourself from the business um, depending on the, the phase? I don't change how much I pay, but I think now that I've sort of learned this how our cycles are, it has affected how much I pay myself throughout the year. Dishigo clothing pays for itself. Um, and I'm I'm really not taking anything from that. I just whatever comes in, I use it to go back into the into the business, excuse me. And I primarily live off of Deanna Dorsey design. And that is the beauty of a side hustle. <laughs> so if you had a chance to start your companies all over again, is there anything that you would do differently? Yes, I would probably, with District of Clothing, I would have changed the name. I thought that, I, I, you know, from a marketing perspective, I was thinking that this would be great to kind of sell to folks in Washington, D.C., and I was just not thinking on a large enough scale. So I would have changed the name and the logo for District of Clothing so that it wasn't so D.C.-based. Thankfully, folks outside of D.C. don't realize how D.C.-based it is, but even... <laughs> You know, I'm hoping to change the name soon. Been working on that for a while. Started changing the logo a bit this week, and we're going to be phasing into new um, branding soon. With Deanna Dorsey Design, I would have invoiced much higher, and I would have paid myself more. And I probably would have been a bit more bold about some of the work that I had been doing and. um and sharing with folks what what I was doing at that time. Thank you for being transparent about that. So what would you say is next for you? I'm excited to hear about the, the logo updates and things that are going on, but what else is on the horizon? Yeah, I'm ready to take District of Clothing to the next level. We, for 20, um, for International Women's Day 2020 on Sunday, we launched, well, I should say we partnered, excuse me, with in a female artist out of, excuse me, a woman artist out of Miami. Her name is Alejandra Estefania. And we are using one of her illustrations that I am obsessed over. It's called I Am Art. We use that to create a, um, a new collection, the I Am Art collection, which I love and has been selling incredibly well in the last couple of days. Um, and I hope to be able to do more partnerships with other women artists um, in the coming year. I think also the last half of 2020, which will be the last half of our fifth year anniversary, um, I have some really cool new things that we're looking to um, share with our customers. I just, I'm ready to take it up a notch. You know, I um, don't have as many things weighing me down in terms of who we can work with, where we can sell. Um, we'll, we'll be opening up a fulfillment area um, overseas so that we can sell overseas in Europe. And I'm ready to sort of take things up a notch. You know, my, my word for 2020 is, and for this next decade is just bigger. Big. Oh my God. That's my word. 
Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Wow. Okay. So now it's time to transition into the lightning round. You just answer the first thing that comes to mind and speed is of the essence. Are you ready? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I'm ready. Alrighty. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? I would say Google. Honestly, Google. (laughs) Number two, what's been a business book or event that you've gone to or read that you've actually applied to your business? Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Mm. Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your daily routine? My devotion. Number four, what's a personal habit that helped you significantly when you were side hustling? Saying no. And finally, number five, what is your parting advice for Black women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about not having a steady paycheck? I believe that entrepreneurship is a calling. And if you felt, if you feel like if an idea has come to you or something has, has come to you and you feel um, that it has come to you for a reason, just do it. I mean, you may never have enough money. You may never have read enough. You may never have enough investors. You know, you, you'll never have enough time, but if you just do it, you will be surprised at how things start to come together. And just to believe in yourself. Like if you, if you take that next step, then before you know it, you're taking the next step and the next step and the next step. And then you could be on this podcast talking about your five and 10 year old company. So I'd just say, just start, just do it. Yes. And so where can people connect with you after this episode? Yes, you can find me um, personally at Deanna Dorsey on all platforms, including my website. And that's at D-I-O-N-N-A-D-O-R-S-E-Y. And then District of Clothing on social media is at District of Clothing. All right. Is what website. And I will link to all of that, you guys, in the show notes. So there you have it. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six foot Saturday newsletter at SideHustlePro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons and my business tip of the week week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.